Welcome to season five, episode two of the Black Women Working Podcast. It's me, Nat. I'm hosting today's episode. And ladies, can you please introduce yourselves? Hello. Hi, it's Tolly here. Um, as usual, you can follow us at, at BWW Podcast UK on Instagram and Twitter. And um, you can also join our conversations using the hashtag, which is hashtag BWW Podcast UK. And if you want to check out our website, um, it's www.blackwomenworking.com. Now you stumbled it. You fumbled it again. <laughs> www.blackwomenworking.com. Go away, Tolls. Go away. Leave me alone. So, so today we're discussing entrepreneurship. Um, I think lockdown caused many of us to think about, you know, how we work, the companies we work for, um, and also how we work impacts our lives. And it also kind of encouraged many of us to think outside the box and really to become a bit more bold in our thinking about whether we could possibly run our own businesses, our own firms, even take like a, something that is seen as a side project and make it like a full-time project. And I know something that I've like personally thought about. So when it came to this episode, I was like, I actually want to speak to my amazing friend, Charlene Brown, who is the co-founder of People Intelligence firm, Howlett Brown, who in 2019 took the step to leave her full-time job at a law firm and start her own firm. But before I introduce her, I want to list off some accolades. I'm going to take a big breath because there's a lot to say here. <laughs> Charlene was named the Black British Business Awards Financial Services Rising Star in 2016 and named the Legal Diversity Rising Star as well in 2017. Um, in 2017, she was also recognised as a future leader by Empower and the Financial Times. She was ranked second out of a list of 30. And in 2020, she was named in the top 20 diversity professionals in industry in the global diversity list. I've got a bit more to say. She's also a member of the Employment Lawyers Association and she contributed to the McGregor Smith Review and the Ethnicity Pay Gap consultation she's also a chair of the Ivor's Academy Ethics Committee and she also serves on the advisory board of TNON the network of networks which is an organization focused on the development of network leaders and the strategic advancement of employee resources resource groups and most importantly to me she's my friend so <laughs> Charlene thank you so 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 much for joining us today Oh, no, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've been waiting to be invited. I'm so glad I can be here now. I'm like, oh. when was Nat going to let me on? <laughs> I know, I know. But I feel like this is the perfect subject for, for us to discuss. So obviously, I've gassed you up a lot. But do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey so far from like the start of your career to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So um, as you can tell, I have a bit of an accent, just a tiny bit. I know it's hard to tell that I'm not from London. Um, actually, <laughs> okay. to your... <laughs> Actually, to your surprise, I'm from uh, Yorkshire. Um, that's just a joke, by the way. Everybody can. I've been here in London seventeen <laughs> years, eighteen years actually soon, and um, everyone thinks I've just arrived for a day trip. But born and raised <laughs> in Yorkshire, um, always knew I wanted to be a lawyer and a singer. Actually, my first, I would say, my first career, my first side hustle, my first passion was music. Um, which is why it's great to work at the Ivers. Um, but I felt that I needed to be more practical. And so I chose law as a route. Um, I actually um, kind of went went to a Catholic high school, went to a local college and decided to move to London in 2003 to um, study law. Uh, interestingly, I got accepted to other universities close to home, probably better universities than the one I went to, but I, I was on a mission to come to London so I could um, pursue my music because some, you know, everyone thinks it's sensible to use a law degree to cover up a music career, which was not <laughs> smart at the time. Um, but law kind of um, took took over, I would say. And um, I did the whole, I did my law degree at a university in the city, then went to law school. But being brutally honest was behind the curve in terms of realising the point at which you're supposed to apply for training contracts, the point at which you're supposed to get mm. um, work experience. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I'm the only lawyer in my family still to this day. Um, most of them are in finance and, and other areas, but, and no one really knew what, what you were supposed to do. So, and my college at the time wasn't that great when it came to careers advice. So 
I decided that I needed to work a bit and build my own work experience to be in a better place to get those training contract opportunities. Um, Thankfully, my second paralegal role was at a global investment bank. It was the the largest custodian in the world, I think still to this day. And I joined as an asset management paralegal doing a whole manner of things. And um, I've always been thrown at the deep end in everything that I've done. And that was no different of an experience. And so I ended up doing a lot more than a paralegal would traditionally do Mm -hmm. and gaining a lot of exposure, to which point I managed after a after a couple of years, I would say, to get a training contract um, in-house, which in two that, which this was 2008 now, I was at mm. this place, and which, is, which, which was rare. We see a lot more in-house training contracts now, I think, than yeah, we used do. Yeah. And so I was there for 10 years. I moved around doing my training um, and found my home as an employment lawyer, um, which meant I was one of two employment lawyers for the EMEA region, which is everything... UK, Ireland, Europe, Middle East and Africa. So huge exposure to lots of different things in business and how things work. Um, and at the same time, I was developing my expertise and passion in equity and DNI. To be honest, I think kind of one of the most challenging people who can work in DNI is an employment lawyer too. So I, I kind of doubled <laughs> yeah. up with the with the technical and the strategy on both sides and develop networks, help my friends set up networks in their own places and kind of run them too. But I felt like I needed to move on. So after 10 years, I decided to go to a US law firm. So completely Mm -hmm. backwards to how you would (laughs) ordinarily do it. Um, I went to a really, really great US law firm, biggest law firm in the world run by a woman. Um, I went there, the money, yeah, I went there because the managing partner in London was a woman the chair globally was a woman and um, my global head of labor and employment was an African-American woman. And I just thought this, and the lawyers, actually the partners in the UK office, I thought these are the people I, I need to learn from, right? So I, I went there, best decision I ever made, great people, great team, incredible boss, friends for life. But then I still felt like something was missing for me. Um, mm. I felt like I only had time to really be a lawyer and my entrepreneur kind of passions because I'd run yeah. many side hustles on the side it wasn't being fed and um something was missing and so I decided to um take a leap and then set up Paula Brown which we can talk about I'm sure at some point yeah I, I think um you kind of just said like oh I just decided to take a leap but I feel yeah, like the the, <laughs> the jump is like the most scary, like the scariest part of the journey. So we kind of, a lot of us have ideas and we think, oh, the idea of like leaving full-time work, regular paycheck security, it, it really stops a lot of us. So, so what was going through your, your mind when you made the decision to leave, when you made the decision to leave your job? And like, also what had you planned before handing in your notice, if anything? Yeah. So I actually had the idea of Howlett Brown when I was at the bank um, Mm. a couple of years before, but I I didn't feel I was ready. And to be honest, it felt like too big of an undertaking at that time. So I can honestly say that by the time I decided to leave the US firm, um, even though I'd been sitting with it and thinking about it for a very long time, it was the single most terrifying thing I think I've Mm. ever done. Honestly, uh, it was uh, it was hard, especially when I was earning more money than I'd ever earned. You could yeah. see I, I, I felt quite clearly that I could have a path to partnership there. I got yeah. along with with people like I felt more like myself there in the short time I was there than than, than where I'd been for 10 years. So wow. it was such a hard decision. But I, I made a plan. Um, so I, when I decided that I needed to really focus on this and make a, make a decision about whether or not I was going to leap about six months before I resigned or seven months before I resigned, I started, um, building my business plan. Um, and actually that I had two dates of when I was going to launch my business and it was either going to be how, how ironic is this? We launched in September, 2019. And mm-hmm. it was either going to be September 2019 or it was going to be January 2020. And the other co-founder said, we should go for September because you've still got a good run through the end of the year to build business. Whereas if you go in yeah. January, it's a smaller step into yeah. Yeah. summer and things like that. 
So we decided to launch in September 19, which meant that I resigned around, I think, March. Yeah. So, you know, I gave myself probably about six months of planning, getting the business plan ready, really thinking through things practically and saving because you need money um, yeah. to survive and, and just getting ready for that leap. But it was honestly, to this day, it was probably the most terrifying thing I ever did. My office used to be next to my bosses and we'd just walk into each other's offices and have a chat. Yeah. I literally, you walk out my office and you used to turn left and three steps you were in his office. <laughs> when I went to resign to the staff, I find this funny. I turned right, walked the entire <laughs> way around the whole office <laughs> before I went into his office. I had it all planned. Um, mm. There's a chair by his desk and I was going to sit on the chair and I was going to give this speech. When I walked into the office, the chair wasn't there. He mm. reacted more quickly than I expected. It was, yeah, it was a whole, a whole drama. Um but I'm glad I did it, but um, it was a very, very hard decision. So I, I don't underestimate any, any decision anyone takes to be able to do that is, is a big one. But if you believe in it, it's worth it completely. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds scary. <laughs> that, that sounds really scary. I, I've got anxiety and it's not my life. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Just well, listen to your thing. story. Yeah. But, but here's the thing, right? Like I, I... I, I loved all those attributes about where I was, but I wasn't happy. And I yeah. couldn't figure I couldn't figure out why. And I felt was because I all I had time for was to be a lawyer and there were other things I wanted to do. I also mm. I've I've not even really told anybody this, but I was also really nervous. I'm quite tunnel I can have tunnel vision in my job yeah. and I was worried that I would wake up in ten years and I'd have loads of money and be a partner, yeah. but I yeah. wouldn't have a family. I wouldn't have yeah. those things that also mean a lot to me. Um, mm. So for me, the decision to do it was about on, um, entrepreneurship and being creative and not not feeling stifled, but also having the life that I wanted to have, and that was worth rolling a dice for it no, at that I point. Hate you. So how did you, I know you talked about like having a business plan and stuff, but how did you know what you wanted to do? Because sometimes you can know that your situation isn't right and you feel uncomfortable, but how did you manage to put your finger on exactly what you wanted Howlett Brown to be? What was that thought process like? Yeah, so I've, I think one of the things I would say I've been quite lucky with is I am an ideas queen. I can yeah, you are. probably probably a bit I'm sorry if this doesn't come across appropriate but I can go to the bathroom and come back and have an idea like I'm yeah. like I'm that mm -hmm. kind of person I can wake up and have ideas all day so I was quite lucky lucky because I just started to see that um uh, the best way to describe it is you know I was doing employment law advisory work and so if we think about if we think about a bridge and a bridge that has broken and you see that mm. on the left hand side if you're looking at it face on you see on the left hand side that you know you've got employment law and you've got hr advisory and then on on the other side you have dni strategy but yet there's this supposed to be bridge that connects everything which is probably culture but yeah. nothing is bringing anything together and I, I just didn't understand how on earth you could advise on the law without understanding that your strategy needs to include DNI to help organizations. And I didn't understand how you could just give pure DNI strategy without understanding the risk framework for organizations. It just, it didn't make sense to me. And I felt that, I felt in my bones, the best way to describe it, that this was needed for organizations because it's not always about a traditional framework it just it doesn't help you when emotions and people yeah. and behaviors are involved all the time it's necessary mm. but it's not always helpful so i felt like there needed to be something that brought things together that just did things differently um which which i now realize was probably why my path took me in-house before it took me to private practice because there were skills there in that combination that i don't think i'd have learned in any other way yeah, I get what you mean. So it's like you had to work for an organisation before working for a firm in order to even have your vision shaped in that way. Yeah, I think so. And I also needed to understand the intricacies of how business works, right? How difficult it is to get things approved, as an example, or how if you work internationally, how difficult things can be and how people can respond and 
what the law might say, but what the culture might dictate at the same time. So I saw yeah. all these patterns emerging and I just thought there has to be a way that you can pull these things together to help people ultimately, because I'm about helping people yeah. and then help the organizations, um, you know, attract those people and keep them happy. Yeah, so that's why you're like a people intelligence firm rather than a yes. DNI consultancy or law firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like exactly. It. We kind of sit in between the sweet spot of everything right now, which is probably me to a T, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to say that maybe for the benefit of our audience, if you could explain what DNI is, and I'm sorry, I don't think, um, I'm not sure if you said that before, actually. It's diversity and inclusion. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was, oh yeah, of course it is. I don't know. I feel like it was just the way you guys were saying it. I was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. And you know what? That, that's that's my fault because you just, it's a, because some people say D-E-I, I-N-D. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. And I just assumed everybody knew what I was talking about. Apologies. Yeah, it's diversity and inclusion, as Nat said. Mm, okay, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> yeah it's always changing its names now some people say belonging and you know all of that i haven't heard belonging i haven't heard i haven't heard belonging but it's funny because i feel like very recently like i go on linkedin from time to time now even though i think it's a cesspit and um, (laughs) i see like these roles everywhere now and they're like usually occupied by black people everybody's in dni 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 and i always wonder to myself what exactly does that entail and mm, I think probably question. it's different from business to business. And um, a little part of me feels like it's kind of not compensation. That's the it's it's it's, it's sometimes it's appeasement within certain yeah. organisations. Yeah. Like okay, yeah, here's your little DNI thing. You can do that, and then it's on you basically to change things from the inside out. But it's not really us that is creating the problems and the issues that creates the need for a DNI. De- dni department it's the other people but it's kind of like mm, that's your thing you kind of deal with it so i guess one of my questions is like how do you or how have you um what has you been your experience of kind of bridging that gap and making people understand that it's an everybody problem not just their ethnic minorities problem yeah yeah really really good question because you know there are organizations that that do behave like that right they mm. they see it as a nice to have they see it as philanthropy and feel mm. good not 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 anything else materially there are other organizations though that treat a lot more seriously than they than they have done previously as well um this is one of the things that i love about um being you know co-founder and now managing director of howlett brown that the fact that it's it it's mine and this work is important to me and yeah. so i get to show up exactly who i choose to be in which and by that i mean um we get asked to we get commissioned to do independent investigations a lot of the time and we do some really great but challenging work and mm-hmm. my response is is if you want a independent investigation fine and mm-hmm. um, we'll do the work um but we will be honest with you mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and Key. you know yeah we will be honest with you and we won't be a veneer to make you think that you're doing what you should be doing and 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 i, I say it from the beginning no one's ever asked me to do that but it might be because of the way i've approached it you know i will be the way things are presented in terms of structure and thinking about the different um ways we have to get information i'm, I'm all about being collaborative with that but when mm-hmm. it comes to finally making recommendations and decisions, mm-hmm. if you're asking me to be independent, my it will be independent and I won't be changing my recommendation mm-hmm. for anyone mm-hmm. unless there's some material reason why. And as far as I'm concerned, it's because it's the it's it's about my value base, but mm-hmm. also, you know, I have a higher higher calling, which is my regulatory license, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not quite I'm not losing my integrity for any anyone, right? It's yeah. it's not it's not right. Um, but organizations are at different stages of their journey. You get some people who are serious about it and you get others that aren't, aren't quite ready because a lot just don't know how or a lot are just focused purely on c- 
commercials and think that this will pass yeah. over. Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of like um, the episode that we did with Shireen Daniels, who obviously she worked in HR. Is that the correct? I know Shireen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, she's we wicked. Did an episode with her, and she was saying exactly the same thing as well. Yeah. Like, it's, she's no holds bars, and it's just like she if is you're, not. I know. <laughs> do you know, what I mean, either you're on it and you want to do the work, or you don't. But either way, I'm not mincing my words for you or lightening the blow. Like this is this is yeah. what it is and this is what you need to change and then she says like with companies which are clearly just faffing about and it's just for performance yeah. she just mm. removes herself as you know a client and says no you're not ready for this so yeah. i love the fact that um you guys are taking that stance and you know you're putting your efforts um where hopefully it's going to count in the long term for other people or other organizations yeah, I hope so too. It's it's really important to me that we do, we do this right. Don't get me wrong. I I you know being an employment lawyer and having spent so much time in house, I do see the intricacies and challenges that people mm-hmm. have to be able to make mm-hmm. change. I do see the fact that you know the D and I or whatever anybody wants to call it is now a concept that everybody is supposed to know a lot about, but very few people mm. are trained properly in it. Mm. I understand all of that, and I provide that support. But ultimately, if it is about making change, then let's find a route forward, not pretend. But Shireen's, Shireen is wicked. Um, another fellow northerner, so I, I, yeah, <laughs> props. Love her. <laughs> She's great. Maybe there's something in that, actually. Let's tap into that a little bit, because isn't that interesting? Like, we know two people now who are really focused on this, um, you know, this D&I movement, and they have that kind of stance. Why... Or maybe there are people that exist in London and we just don't know of who are kind of doing the same work and taking the same position as well. Is there something in that where it kind of relates to your experiences growing up in um, a less multicultural city? Although you said you've been here for 18 years, but I think maybe does that play a part in why you feel so passionately about it? Because your experiences have likely been more severe in a negative way um, than perhaps us who've grown up in London have worked in London environments mm. yeah no, no actually no um I can't speak for uh, Shireen obviously um but um I grew up in Huddersfield and Huddersfield was is is a very it's a town so one it isn't a city so that has Huddersfield its, you know, town it's, yeah it has its <laughs> own differences but it's incredibly multicultural I grew up in a hugely multicultural environment um where everybody mixed and celebrated different cultures. And I mean that between um, kind of white English, Irish, Scottish, black Caribbean. There wasn't, when I was growing up, there wasn't many African communities or people from African backgrounds there, but huge Asian um, kind of Indian Pakistani uh, populations too. So, and Kurdish populations as well. And so I grew up in a hugely multicultural environment. Um, That said, 15 minutes down the road was another town and I had experienced racism in that town on multiple mm. occasions. Um, but my t- I, I had such a wonderful upbringing. Part of the reason I do this work though is because my dad was in this space for, um, I, I was growing up. I, I, I think D&I and equity related work has been mm. in my blood from birth. I mean, I watched Roots when I think I was seven. I'm not suggesting anyone does that. What? I still haven't watched that. Yeah. I still haven't watched it. I've seen the yeah, new version. I haven't seen the new version, actually, because I, I watched the old version. Mm. <laughs> and There's um, no need to see it twice. <laughs> no, exactly. How is it? That might have been better for me. But um, I watched that when I was really young. My dad worked, um, my dad did some work in Zimbabwe and Africa and I went with him to Zimbabwe. He was the ambassador at the UN for the year of the diaspora. Like I did a lot of different things growing up. You know, when I was a student, I worked with my dad on gangs in the North and did documentaries. So I was... To be honest, this was all paving the way for me to be able to do what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's yeah. fantastic. Wow. wow. How Thank you. Kept, kept me busy, but yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So like, looking back at like the first day that the website goes live and you, you, you've kind of started and you're looking at like today, have things really happened the way that you kind of planned and expected? Yes and no. So, like, it's quite funny. I, for the first few weeks after 
leaving um, the US law firm and, and, mm. and starting to build Howlett Brown, every other day I had a different emotion. So yeah. the first the, one day it would be pure excitement and freedom and I can't wait to do this. And then the next day was like, oh, what have I done? I'm, oh. This doesn't work and fear. And when I and I had these big, big grand ideas because every all my ideas are big, probably sometimes ridiculously unnecessarily too big. <laughs> but I had this big idea, it was gonna be great and everyone was gonna buy into it, it's gonna be this, that, and the other. And I knew it was gonna be hard work. I really did. And I've never been I've never ever been shy of hard work. Yeah. But this was this has been this and I had this idea of the what the end goal would look like. I did not picture the journey between the start and finish yeah, it was probably yeah. naive of me I can say it's probably done a lot it's probably done more high profile meaningful work than I ever imagined it would do um mm-hmm. already we're only just two and um we celebrated our second birthday last week and that's was there thank you very much I loved and, it um, <laughs> thank you and um and but it's been it's, it's been hard very yeah. hard I wouldn't I don't regret it but it, it's been probably harder than I think but to you know I don't know if you know and I can talk about it because um it was published but we did a review on um after the murder of George Floyd one of our clients Amnesty International wanted mm. us to um you know they asked us to to do a review a culture review um to understand their kind of then um non-white their ethnic minority staff globally what their experiences were in the wake of George Floyd and Mm -hmm. we did this review and they published the report um on their website and um the Guardian picked it up and then the next thing you know I was getting phone calls and emails from um uh from from radio stations and tv shows in Israel Ireland Russia asking me to comment yeah that was that was that was an experience in her Oh, it, it was. And it proved how much I actually wasn't ready for that, but was happy yeah. to do the work because it was important. But that then meant actually loads of different organizations in different countries then picked up what we were doing. And our our client coverage and our sector coverage now is mm. is huge for we're two and we punch way above our weight and we do we do great work. Wow. Um, so that is a, it's, so that piece to answer your question in a very long-winded way, sorry, Nats, is, yeah, it's done a lot bigger than I thought it would be, but it has also been a, a lot more of an emotional journey than I think I was ready for. Mm. Yeah. That sounds important. like a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 I won't, you know, if anyone is listening who, who's interested in doing this, like, I do not regret this. I would do this again. I am glad this is definitely where I'm meant to be, but it has been challenging and these are things that I have had to think about. Um, I, full disclosure, as soon as we're being honest and among friends, yeah. I had my first my first ever panic attack mm. when I was um, running this. And it happens and you get the help and take time out that you need and that's been yeah. fine. I just want to make sure I share that because it's not, It is if you have one of those, it's completely normal and you yeah. shouldn't, you shouldn't feel that you can't share that either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, yeah, so no regrets. Sharing. No, 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 I thank you. Thanks for having me. I think it's important yeah. to um, for people to explain kind of like the pressures that can come um, working as an entrepreneur as well. You know, yeah. a lot of the time on social media, we see the glossy side, the happy side. Yeah, I'm a boss, yeah. I'm a boss, I'm a CEO, look at everything. <laughs> but, um, a lot of people aren't willing to be kind of transparent about the internal, psychological, mental, physical journey it involves, which is why sometimes I believe some people kind of jump into entrepreneurship a bit sooner than they should to be honest or maybe they shouldn't even be because they don't fully understand kind of like what the sacrifice um entirely will be so I love it when people such as yourself are really honest about the journey you know there have been struggles there have been hurdles but also it's been worth it as well and it's that trade-off it's a bit of give and take and you Mm. you have to just have that in your mindset that man it might almost break you and take you to the (laughs) brink but if you know what you're doing you know your goals you know what um what your focus is and you're passionate about that then you can push through those times yeah Yeah, definitely that that kind of leads nicely on to like my point about the like the balance like 
obviously you've worked for a significant period of time for other people in different types of organization but it's being your own boss what it was cracked up to be for you like so in terms of what you expected it was going to be like um oh god let me think um y- yes but also no <laughs> <laughs> um i want to i'm a you know curiosity is what drives me i can yeah. i told you i get inspired by ideas now we talk about stuff and i'm i get yeah i get hyped like your idea is my idea i'm like oh my god do this do this you know like that's how i am as a person um so i love the fact that if i have an idea for mm-hmm. my business there is nobody mm. i have to get approval from oh i, love I have it. to be smart about it but this is if this is my idea then this is what i've got to do i have to think about the commercials and stuff but that that's still if that drives me then that's what's happening so that's amazing mm-hmm. the other side of it is however is when you're used to working for big global organizations like mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. it doesn't just appear when you're in your own business <laughs> yo that's real <laughs> right <laughs> um getting think, even deciding what laptops you get what security software you should have oh, yeah, what your gosh. standard terms are how you do your privacy policies you True. name it i had to think about everything client staff and client onboarding compliance i had to cover the whole works managing staff training and developing staff because what we do is so unique um you know i've i've had to do that too so i i wouldn't i wouldn't change any of it but it's that piece i was sometimes i'm just like oh Come on, can no one read my mind, please? No, <laughs> so how did you actually do that? Did you Google or did you speak to people with experience in those areas? Yeah, I spoke to people. I had a business plan and I had an idea. Well, sorry, I had an idea. So I developed the business plan. Um, I kind of exhausted all the possible questions that I might oh, need okay. to know the answers to for those yeah. things, right? Yeah. So I explored all of that and then I spoke to people. I've, I've been really fortunate. I've got a good, good, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for the people I have around me. So I got to talk to people and get their thoughts and get their lens on certain things. Ultimately, it, it rested with my gut check and, yeah. and me, being, be, me being thorough. But um, I had backup. I had people I could talk to, partners in law firms, people in business. They took the time out to share their thoughts. And, and then I, I further crafted it and crafted it. Even to this day, you know, I've... I've had um I've had business partners I've had joint venture arrangements where we've tested out things. Yeah. And I've spoken to those people, those those mentors and sponsors of mine and I've said I just want to sound this out with you. So you know, you never you're never too experienced yeah. to need that kind of guidance and and I'm grateful that I I've been lucky like that to have those people. Yeah. I hear you. So then I know you kind of talked about employees and stuff but how do you figure out like what you need to delegate or outsource and what you kind of need to retain control over? What is that process like in your head? It's really hard actually, because the, there's an element where you would love to delegate mm-hmm. a lot of things so you can be on the biz over the business rather than in the business yeah. if you're yeah. the owner. Um, but there has to be a right time that you do that. One of the things I have a team, a growing team now, but my up until about March, it was just me and my EA ruling the world, right? Um, <laughs> and and now my team has grown, and I have I, I have a, I think I have six members of staff now, so it's grown quite quickly. But the work we do, like you can't underestimate independent investigations into sexual harassment, race discrimination, bullying where all that emotion is coming from the people you're talking to, but also the clients because they're struggling is immense. Mm. And one of the things I'm very, very careful of is at what point as I'm developing and building my team's experience, do I bring them in into that? Because, you know, I make sure my team are going through psychological safety training Mm. and mental health first aid because that's basically somebody putting projecting all that energy onto mm-hmm. you yeah. and that's mm. tough so i make my decisions based on what are they ready for how can i help them develop and what will be too much too soon um and sometimes i get it wrong and then i realize and then i have to pair it back um but there's no 
there's a it's a work in progress put it that way i have not got things on lock properly yet um and we grew so quickly and the demand yeah. went quickly that we had to scale and try and find that balance as we were doing things as well hmm. i want to ask you a question with regards to that actually you know when you face those kind of challenging moments and you don't get it right how do you kind of deal with that especially if it involves somebody else because I think that might be yeah. quite useful for some people to understand because I think a lot of us sometimes um, inherently we can be a bit defensive and we don't want to hear criticism or critique of our behaviour mm. and actions especially if we feel that we were operating with the best intentions but how have you kind of managed that within yourself so that you make sure um, you're evolving and also I guess taking care of the people that work with you? Yeah, I think... Um ego has no place in being a leader and being an entrepreneur has no place because you're paving howlett brown is the first of its kind um company certainly in the uk can't speak completely the us but we have us clients i can't i can't turn up and think i've got it all on lock and i know everything um also if i pretended that I would be that way. I don't think I would build the the relationships with my team and so they feel like they could have the culture of our mm-hmm. organization that we need. And I definitely don't think I'd build the right culture and relationships with my clients who need authenticity, right? So I recognize where I'm at. I do my best and I'm incredibly thoughtful. I, If I get it wrong, I hold my hands up. It will burn me that I've got it wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, burn. Um, but... I learn from it and I make I make changes and I, I just call that out and I and I, I admit that as as and when that happens. It's one of the things that I we one of the things I wanted to mandate as soon as the team started to grow. We'll yeah. have our own culture review within our team every year and someone in my team will conduct it because how can I be assessing other organizations' culture if I don't yeah. do the same by myself? I'm not I'm not a hypocrite. I've been a client. And I've also been a service provider mm-hmm. and I was not an easy client. So I'm not going to walk around <laughs> now. And you, but, you know, you expect a high standard yeah. of, of quality of work. So if people are asking me of that, it feels very fake to try and give them something else. Mm-hmm. I just won't do it. It's, so no, I think what's one of the probably most important things to say that you can never ruin your own business if it if you if it. If it isn't, if you don't feel it in your bones, if you don't mm. wake up thinking about it, if it isn't aligned with your purpose and your values, integrity and honesty are definitely parts of my value base and fairness. And so th- that's the only way I can operate. Mm-hmm. I love that. yeah 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 no completely i think it's a really good question you have to be um do you remember when i said earlier about i thought about every possible question Mm. that i needed to have for my business plan and exhausted it you need to think about exact you need to do that in the same way about what your clients need then you have to think about how you will approach those clients in a way that isn't hard-bodied sales right because yeah. I don't know about you but I'm just like I'm not here for the big pitch I'm here for the meaningful really yeah exactly um and then you have to you you have to go all in and attack it so we launched on the 2nd of September 2019 I had t- maybe I was doing maybe 30 business development meetings a month um wow in September. No, that that is a lie. Actually, I was almost knocking out maybe 10 to 15 a week. So actually it was more than that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was based on my network, right? People I'd met at events, people I'd met in the DNI space, people I knew who I used to work with and I'd connect with them, talk to them, tell them what I'm up to. I'd say to them, you know, I'd love for you to see my brochure, give me any feedback. Tell me if you think this is something that your organization would need. Uh, and if not, why not? I, I, I do that kind of building. Mm. Um, 
It is. Yeah, it is. I, I just, I just, um, unless I get asked to pitch for something, mm. I'm not going to come in with a direct way. I'm, I'm going to check in on the people first. And I think one of the things, if, if there's anybody who is in employment now, who is thinking about moving to, and building their own business later down the line, one of the things that I think has paid dividends to me now is I'm a helpful person. I have always yeah. been a helpful person. So I was running, I was helping my friends in other organizations run networks, build networks and giving and, and just doing things without asking for anything because that's who I am. And then when it came to me setting this up, people remembered that I was just helpful Yeah. and, and wanted to talk to me about work. So wherever you are now, how you carry yourself is incredibly important to the work that you're going to launch or do later down the line. I like that, the fact that you've said that, because sometimes people just think the entrepreneurship journey starts when you decide you're going to become an entrepreneur. But what you're actually telling us is that it's a lifestyle. It's a way of thinking. And so you need to, you know, be behaving as if that's kind of, it's not that you necessarily know you're going to be an entrepreneur, but in the back of your mind, basically, don't move mad. (laughs) (laughs) wherever you are do you know what I mean you know treat people with respect you know and be helpful be proactive and then you can call in those seeds that you have planted um you can reap those those seeds later on down the line and I love the fact that you've just made that point yeah no exactly and it's the truth you just you've just got to be yourself like I honestly if I was to tell you where how some of my where I've been and how some of the moments have turned into business development, it's hilarious. Like on the train, sat next Mm-mm. to a woman, offered mm. her something, two hours talking, husband ran a multi-million pound business. Up, yeah, right? In the carnival, <laughs> wow, <laughs> which was that's... really funny. Loud music, someone asking me for advice about stuff, setting up a meeting, um, on a walk. Mm-hmm. Like I could go anywhere and I just, think if you if you're just yourself and you're helpful and personable mm-hmm. yeah you know I just it. yeah I just mm. think it's um I just well that that's how I am everyone's got to find their own way that's authentic and unique to them but mm-hmm. I, I've always been that way and it's put me in good stead so far because I was just about to say that is like typical Charlene from what I understand yeah. who I understand you to be so when you yeah. say things like that I'm not like surprised I'm like yeah that would definitely happen to you because of because of who you are and how you operate and that's possibly yeah. how we even became friends as well so yeah, yeah it is because it because it was um was it the com- one of the conferences I was like yeah of course I want to be involved with something like that it's important to do work like that I'll be there yeah and then look how many years later so it is it just shows it just shows like how life works out and so you can't really despise the small beginnings mm-hmm. or the intimate or yeah. small conversations so um yeah, I think there's just one more thing I kind of wanted to ask. I was like, if we could just imagine that there's a woman there listening to this podcast and she wants to take the jump and, you know, she was to come to you and just, you had 30 seconds, like what one piece of advice would you would you just give her to say, look, this is what you need to be thinking about before you, you jump? Um, find an idea that you feel in your bones is yeah. relevant to you. Be your absolute self in how you build it and nurture it. Don't try and pretend and assimilate to a room because it just won't work. It will come across fake. And go all in and take a big swing because if you do it half-assed, it's not going to work. Just, 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 think, just commit to the swing, and um, and you won't regret it. And even if, even if for whatever reason it doesn't work out, the skills you will have acquired yeah. mm-hmm. and then and the the lessons and the learning it will just make you that much better for what comes next mm-hmm. yeah i actually and be, and be kind to yourself yeah. and be kind to yourself because i'm not kind to myself enough i don't think but be kind to yourself yeah yeah so there's what is the like one thing that you've done in the last two years or two years and two weeks or however long it's been that you are ultimately like if you can explain but ultimately like, the most proud of what's the one thing when you're like yep boom i am so proud of this oh god um such a hard question because i don't I know. see my my um my my probably one of the things i don't do very well is i um i don't take a moment and i don't say yep well done charlene um mm. to be honest if i'm if i'm honest i think it's getting it to where it is now and growing it 
Um, yeah. I, I mentioned to you I had a business partner. I mentioned to you I had uh, JVs where, I were te- where we were trialing yeah. other people. Those things didn't work out. And for me to be able to have the resilience to keep going uh, through COVID, yep. um, losses in family, dealing with my own mental health and still and still reaching what we've what we've done and the clients we've got I, I would say it's that definitely yeah because it is a phenomenal achievement and when you were like yeah it's been tears I was like what it, it felt like it had literally just completely flown by and to have sustained it during such a difficult time is actually yeah is is actually Thank phenomenal you. I'm so proud Thank you. it feels like friend. feels like it feels like 10 years honestly <laughs> <laughs> but it is worth it and and though to have because a lot of people have suffered during COVID, and I don't, I don't take that lightly. Um, and there was, there was an say. element of mm. guilt with that too, right? But to have built, survived it, built it, and and grown in that time, I just, I take stock of that, and I am grateful for it. Yeah, mm. I was actually going to ask about that because I was thinking you started this in two thousand nineteen, and obviously the pandemic hit in twenty twenty. Like obviously mm. nobody could have ever planned for that, and mm. you wouldn't have had kind of procedures or etc. in place to kind of prepare for that. So how, quickly, how did you kind of manage? I don't know that really tumultuous period. Is it something that? greatly impacted your business I mean to a certain extent maybe it impacted it in a positive way because of all of the horrible things that were going on and people were more invested in inverted commas in kind of exploring you know racial microaggressions etc etc but yeah how did the pandemic kind of impact you and what you're doing I so I uh, it's a quick it's a back story. I did this um, test called the Gallup test. You do a strengths finder. It's called strengths finder, oh. sorry. And you can find your top five strengths. I did this ages ago. And one of my top five strengths is, is what they call futuristic. It's this ability to always look ahead, anticipate need, ideas, and take people on the journey with you. That was probably mm. one of the first things I did when I was at the bank that started to furnish, you know, furnish where I was going to go and I have always been a, a looking ahead person yeah. um, so even now we're doing work but I'm thinking about what new products and new businesses to launch right and, and for next year um, even though we're, we're busy now and so when the pandemic hit I thought this is going to be something that is going to be a problem what do I need to do? How do I need to anticipate it? And when do I need to do it? So I called a strategy session with some of my partners at the time. And they said, okay, we need to think about this. And I thought practically about the different things. I thought that some of the things that we do, like D&I related work, no one will want because it's nice to have. They'll definitely still need investigation support, but some of them, some of of clients may be nicer, may not want to commission those because everyone's having such a hard time. We could do general advisory work, which we already do. and then there might be some other related support that we need to provide. But most importantly, we need to remind people because we're new that we're still here and we are here to help. So we wrote, we put together a statement and sent that out to um, all of our clients very quickly um, ahead of most of the big law firms. And it's funny, actually, one of the partners at a very big law firm replied to me saying, thanks. And I said, oh, what? Because he was a friend. I said, what did you think of my email? He said, he goes, I thought it was great. I thought it was cheeky, <laughs> but, but I thought it was great. And I thought, cheeky, white. And then he said, oh, I'm only joking. Now, I don't believe he was joking. I think he thought, who does this young girl think she is sending out yeah. emails before even we have? Um, so I just took that as... Yeah, you judge, you misjudged me. I'm not, I'm not here to play, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of this, and and that's what I did. And I thought about the different services we could provide in a different way. So, we do an obscene amount of training, and we've never done an in-person training session. All of it has been remote. Wow. Because wow. of the technology we needed to have. So yeah, we, you just, you have to think ahead, and you have to, like it, it's. You know, it's no underestimation about exhausting all of your thought processes about what you might need to do and how you might need to prepare for things and then just you then and then just go for it. No, that sounds phenomenal. So can you actually share with us, like, to the extent that it's not like too too personal, but where you see your career, the firm, like in the next two years, five years, like what is the 
ultimate goal for you that you've kind of defined as your your kind of guiding goal for you as an individual? So my ultimate goal is for Howlett Brown to grow and outlive me ultimately, right? So that's the first thing. In terms of where it um, grows in the next couple of years, I have always imagined it being sat in between um, law firms, consulting, mm-hmm. DNI practices and tech firms, that sweet spot. So what we will be doing in the next couple of years is launching multiple technology related products that I think will only bolster what we do. Um, we operate in the UK. We operate globally now, but yeah. I, I want to be able to develop some off- offices in different countries too um, and just grow the team. And then I, I have, I have. well, you know me, Nats. I have 10 years yeah. worth of business ideas. So I'd like I know to try. you. I like to try to do one of those at the same time. We'll see how I go. Because <laughs> this, this takes up so much time. I have not had any time for anything else. But I would like to build the team to the point where I am on the business, not in the business. We're growing it the way we need to. And I can try my hand at other things. I, actually, I'd like to get back to music too. Yeah, because I was just thinking, I've been friends friends with you for a while and you've always talked about music and you've always talked about wanting to have that time to do it so hopefully fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed you can dedicate some time to it but we've like come to the end of this episode I don't actually want to end it because I'm finding it so inspiring just on a personal (laughs) on a very personal level like thank god this is recorded so I don't have to take notes but I just want to thank you so much for joining us and being so open and candid about your experience. Um, It's really helpful and I know that it's really going to help some of our listeners who are in what I call that kind of shaky middle ground when it's like, do I turn left? Do I turn right? How do I plan and, and what the next steps are? Because sometimes even thinking about putting a pen to paper to plan something can be intimidating. And so I just want to thank all of the listeners for tuning in. As always, please tell a friend to tell a friend just to help us get the word out about the podcast and the amazing women that we're interviewing. And remember, we can always keep the conversation going on social media using the hashtag BWWPodcastUK or adding us on Twitter or Instagram at BWWPodcastUK. And always feel free to email us, DM us if you have any suggestions for any topics. We love to hear from you and to hear your feedback on our episodes. And yeah, Charlene, I just want to thank you again. I can't thank you enough for finally having you on the podcast, finally being the emphasis on me inviting you, not on you coming. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's been so great to hear about your journey. And yeah, we need to watch this space and pay attention to what you're doing because I'm sure we're going to have so many more things to celebrate in the near future. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be here and speak to you all, honestly. And I hope everyone has found it, the listeners at least, have found it interesting. And I'm waiting for the time when you get interviewed on this podcast, Nats, because <laughs> of all the amazing things that you're going to be up to. So let's not yeah. forget that too. We've heard from her enough to be on interview. Oh, have you? <laughs> okay. Okay, I might take that back. It'd be be your own co-host. It'd really be your own (laughs) co-host. Natalie just monologuing for an hour. Yeah, trust me, that's not hard for me. (laughs) No, thank you for having me, honestly. Perfect. All right, thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.